In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I like to speak about the service of the deacons. Uh, the word deacon means a servant. And deacons represent the angels who are standing around the throne of God. And as the angels serve God and his throne, the deacons are responsible for serving uh, the altar, the church, and, and I'm speaking about in the liturgical service, and all uh, everything related to the, the, the service of the liturgy. Many people believe that the ordination into deaconship is just a blessing. Parents bring young children and they say, Abuna, want our children to be ordained to, uh, to receive a blessing. Yes, definitely in the ordination there is a blessing, but with blessing there is responsibility and accountability. It is a talent you received from God. And God actually, he will ask you in the last day to give an account of your stewardship. He will tell you you were ordained a deacon. How did you do with this talent? Last week, somebody met me and he told me, since the day of my ordination, he was ordained as a child, maybe six, seven years old, and he is now in his 40. He told me I never served as a deacon. So I told him, why you accepted to be a deacon? He told me my parents at that time wanted me to receive a blessing. And here actually, I want to warn the parents, if they just want their children to receive a blessing without teaching them the responsibility and the accountability that comes with this ordination, they actually put them in a great risk because the Lord at the last day, he will ask them, you were ordained a deacon, give an account of your deaconship. What would they say? And in stewardship, there are two requirements. As the Lord said, who is the good and faithful steward? Who is the wise and faithful steward? So as deacons, God expected from us to be faithful and to be wise. Faithful and wise. Let me speak about faithfulness. Faithfulness for a chanter, actually they are responsible to learn the hymns of the church and the praises of the church. It is part of your faithfulness. If you are ordained a chanter and you are not uh, making an effort to learn the hymns and the praises, then your faithfulness is questionable. How, if God asked you about your faithfulness, how are you going to respond to this? God will tell you, you were ordained as a chanter. 
Can you imagine a person in a choir, like school choir, and he never attended lessons to learn, and he never practiced, he never was eager to keep and learning the, the, the songs in the choir? Do you think they will keep him? No. But the church, because the church is kind, does not push anybody away. But unless we are faithful in learning the hymns and the praises of the church, then who will keep it? Who will, who will learn it? That's why you need to learn. If there is uh, a lesson, you need to attend. And now actually, uh, all the hymns of the church are available on uh, social media like YouTube, uh, with a sound cloud and there are lessons teaching lessons so just spend 20 minutes every day to learn and by you know if just 20 minutes every day actually in few years uh, maybe you will learn all the hymns of the church uh, I personally learned most of the hymns of the church in three or four years in my life. And actually, at that time, we didn't have SoundCloud or YouTube. We used to go and attend a lesson in the church once a week. But we were eager to learn. Also, as a reader, you need to know how to read. And you need actually to give sense of the reading to the people. Sometimes when the readers read, nobody understands. Either because they read too fast, or they read too long, or they don't understand what they are reading. So they don't make proper uh, stops in the reading to give the sense. For example, there is big difference between a person uh, reading like from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Slowly, clearly, understand where he stops, where he pause. But if somebody read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was in the beginning with Who can understand you this way? And unfortunately, many people read this way. Also, uh, now the Psaltos does the responsibility of the subdeacon and the deacons. So, if you're going to serve in the altar, then you have responsibility. Your faithfulness have responsibility. Number one, to learn the responses in the altar and actually to memorize them. Because sometimes until you, you look at the Khulagi liturgy book and search for the response, there is pause in the church, silence in the church. When we were young deacon, they asked us to memorize the, the responses, especially in the altar. So when Abuna says, you will respond immediately. And we memorized them both in Arabic and in Coptic. 
And we were tested in order actually to be allowed to serve in the altar. Also, you need to be able to know when you bring the censor to Abuna. Abuna who is praying, he should not tell you, go to the censor, the shoriya, roh amli, walla shama, khud Abuna should not do this. Abuna should be focusing in the prayer. And you, as a servant in the altar, you should know when to bring the censor, when you lit a candle, when you uh, bring lafayf. Uh, you should know all of these things. But that's part of our faithfulness. And also, the altar needs preparation. If you are serving in the altar and the liturgy will start at 9, you need to be here maybe 30 or 20 minutes before the liturgy in order to clean the altar, to make sure that everything is organized, uh, to prepare the censor, to lit the candles in the, in the altar. There are many things actually need to be prepared before the beginning of the liturgy. And if you are responsible, you need to come early. Some deacons come, you know, maybe after the offering of the lamb, and all of a sudden I find them serving in the altar. How, how come? How come the person who is serving in the altar should be the first one comes and comes even before the beginning to prepare the altar for uh, the service? Also, the responsibility of the subdeacon, which is also the deacon, everybody now is doing everything. So it's your responsibility to keep the order, uh, the cleanness, the organization in the church and in the altar. During the time of communion, you need actually to help to facilitate how the people move smoothly and after they take communion to go back to their places. So in most of our churches, the communion time is uh, the time of chaos in the church. And this is not respectful to the owner of this great mystery. It's your responsibility, uh, and me, Abuna, can assign one or two deacons to be in charge of this and to make sure that everybody goes smoothly and uh, take communion uh, and go back to his seat or to her seat. Also, uh, your responsibility, uh, your faithfulness, uh, is very important in keeping the quietness in the church. Uh, If somebody, a child is crying or making a noise among the deacons, go gently. Don't reprimand him harshly in front of everybody uh, because this will hurt his feeling. But gently just bring to his attention he should be silent in the church, he should be quiet, you know. But to keep the church quiet and, and calm. Uh, I told you God expects from a steward to be wise and faithful. The 
Wisdom appears in dealing with each other. Unfortunately, many churches, the deacons in many churches, have conflicts with each other. Conflict over hymns, conflict who will lead, uh, conflict if you give uh, advice to somebody, he will not listen and get upset from you, because there is no wisdom. And if I come and give you advice, or I told you this was wrong, I'm doing it because I love you and I want you to be careful and to do things right. If we are wise, we will be happy with this and with bringing to my attention this point. Can you imagine if you are in exam and then one of the professors or teachers look at your paper and told you, you know, this question is wrong. You need to correct it. And the correct answer is so and so. Are you going to get upset? Are you going to get mad? Or you will thank him that he is helping you and correcting you. Uh, so we need to be wise and accept to take criticism with a loving heart, not with with a loving heart, not uh, take it personally. Also, as a wise person, you need to be a role model, speaking, moving a lot, uh, or sleeping uh, during like the sermon or whatever, using the phone, uh, texting and checking your email, and or uh, coming late. All of this actually uh, can be offensive to the people. Also, the people can tell whether we are praying in the spirit or just we are chanting hymns that we don't understand. So while you chant in hymn, you need to chant it in a spirit of prayer. And here I want to warn you, some of us chant hymns that we don't understand its meaning. Although we have interpretation, and have translation. For example, today we chanted Megalo. If you don't understand, look at the meaning. While it's a long hymn, it's easy to read the meaning and to pray with the meaning while we are chanting this hymn. Uh, as St. Paul said, five words of understanding better than 10,000 words without uh, understanding. While we are chanting, we are doing the work of the seraphim. In the Gregorian liturgy, we say to God, you give us, you give those who are on the earth the praise of the seraphim. As an angel, remind yourself that people will look at you as the angel of God. That's deacons. Deacons are the angels in the altar. Also, if you already know many hymns, it's your responsibility as you learn hymns is to teach others. And uh, you can organize with Abuna uh, classes to teach younger children uh, and to teach uh, youth the hymns that God actually entrusted you 
with this. Uh, there are many psalms actually uh, speak about singing to God, like praise the Lord for a song is good. Uh, enter into houses with praises and bless his name. Psalm 100 verse 4. Also, uh, when we praise, the glory of God will dwell in the house. God loves when we praise in spirit and in truth. Uh, if you read Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, it's written, Second Chronicles. And verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one. Were as one. So when the singer were chanting, chanting as one. To make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And that's what we say in the second verse. That the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So I want here to make the connection. When the singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voice, so when they chanted together as one in spirit, and everybody participated and lifted their voice, what will happen? That the glory of God filled the house of God. So when we pray with one accord and one voice, and everybody participate, in many churches I hear one deacon only, and nobody is saying, I'm not speaking about long hymns that only few, they learn them. But I'm speaking even about Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, anybody can say. But I found one person is saying, where is the rest of the people? Why are you not participating in one, with one accord, with one voice? As the Bible says, when they praised in one voice, the glory of God filled the house. So we need actually to participate together and praise God together. You have a big responsibility. And because of this big responsibility, you need actually to know uh, how to conduct yourself in faithfulness and in wisdom. I like to conclude with a reading from Nehemiah, Chapter 
And this reading is very important because it will explain to us uh, the role of the reader, Ognostus, in the church. Uh, now, all the people gather together as one man in the open square that was in the front of the water gate. And they taught Azra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Azra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women. And all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in the front of the water gate from morning until midday. Six hours. Six hours. From six to twelve. Before the men and women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That's number one. They were paying attention. Everybody was paying attention. So when the readings are read, we need to pay attention. If I asked you, what was the Pauline letter of today? What was the Catholic letter? What was the Ibraxis? Did you pay attention? And many times the, the deacon says, proskumin. Proskumin means, let us attend. Let us pay attention. And he is asking people to pay attention, and he himself is not paying attention. So how can you ask the people to pay attention, and you are not paying attention? So Azra, verse 4, the scribe stood on a platform of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him, at his right hand, stood so and so and so, at his land, hand, left hand, stood so and so and so. Like when we read the gospel, people stand on the right deacons and on the left holding candles. So this was actually from the time of Azra. And I will explain why there is a platform. And by the way, Mangalaya, Ma in Galaya, in Galaya in Gil Gospel, Bible. Ma, by Ma, Ma means place. So Ma in Galaya is the place of the Bible. It's the place of the Bible. Uh, so nothing is read from the Mangalaya except the scripture and the teaching, because the scripture is teaching. Maybe you noticed when I read the Exilium today, I stood in the front of the altar, not here. You know, traditionally they said Synexerium, because it's not Bible, should not be read from the Mangalaya, but should be read from in the front of, of the altar. But anyway, I mean, if somebody read it from the Mangalaya, it's okay, I mean, not, not a big deal. But just I, I'm trying I mean, to, to explain why some people read the Synexerium from here, because Mangalaya, it is only for the gospel. Nothing should be announced from the place of the gospel except the biblical reading and the sermon. Uh, verse 5, And Azra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. Why it is above all the people? Because this means authority. All of us are underneath. So we are under the authority of the Bible. 
The Bible has authority over us. The only book that has authority over us is the scripture. No other book. And we need to submit. Even Abuna, Abuna how he can read, or the bishop how he can read the Bible while he is reading. I cannot read, I called the Bible above my head and read from it. That's why when he says, if his marot, let's see, he holds the Bible and put it above his head. When they say, marot, and they say, let see who comes in the name of the Lord. So even Abuna and the bishop and the patriarch is under the authority of the Bible. And when we read the Bible, if the bishop wearing his um, crown, actually he removed his crown. Because now we are under the authority of uh, the, the scripture. That's why the Mangalaya should be above everybody, not uh, at the same level. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's why we say, stand in the fear of God. Let us listen to the Holy Gospel. And Azra blessed the Lord. So before reading, he blessed the Lord. And before the reading the Bible, the Gospel, we say, eh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, the, the ritual of the church are taken from the scripture, word by word. He blessed the Lord the great, then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. So when we say, to whom is glory forever, you respond, and ever, Amen. That is the same response here. While lifting up their hands and they bowed their head and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. That's why usually when we say Fizmarot or Kizmarot or blessed is he, we make the sign of the cross and we bow. As, as the people did here, when they say Fizmarot, blessed God, they actually bowed actually to the ground. They worship God to the ground with their faces to the ground. Verse 7, also some names from the Levites. And the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. That's why after the gospel there is a sermon. The purpose of the sermon is to help the people to understand the law. To understand the word of God. That's why during the liturgy, if I, I, I should actually speak about the word of God, the Pauline letter, Catholic letter, Praxis, uh, the gospel, it's not proper that during the, the liturgy, I give sermon about, for example, the history of the church. The purpose of the sermon in the middle of the liturgy is to make the people understand the word of God. Maybe after the liturgy, if I want to give another sermon, it can be dogmatic, ritual, uh, history, etc. Then verse 8, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sins and helped them to understand the reading. And he gives the sins. What does it mean to give the sins? And read distinctly. Distinctly, it's a clear reading. As I told you, there is difference between saying in the beginning with the word and the word was God and God. No, this is not distinct at all. 
and you are not giving the sense. And when you read a question, it should be different from reading an answer or reading a, a word of amazement. For example, Simon said, uh, God said to Simon, Simon Barjona, do you love me more than this? That's how to read a question. But if you say, and Christ asked Simon, do you love me more than this? And Simon replied, no. It's not giving the sense. And, and Simon replied, Lord, you know that I love you more than this. Uh, no, he did not say more than this. Do you know, you know that I love you. So here, when you make a pause, and the way you read it, you are giving the sense. So people who listen, they can understand. They can understand. I remember, uh, one, especially Holy Week is coming, one of the most challenging reading is the prophecies. Because most of us, we don't read the Old Testament, and Old Testament is difficult, and we don't read uh, a commentary, so we don't understand the prophecies. So usually when you listen to a prophecy, in the Holy Week, most of the time we don't understand it. Even the person who is reading it don't understand. And I remember the higher, uh, the higher institute or the Institute of Higher Studies uh, published a recording for the Holy Week for Pascha. And who is reading the, the prophecy in this recording? Uh, His Grace Bishop Gregorius with the thrice blessed memory. Uh, maybe most of you yeah, did not see him. He passed in, uh, I think, in 90s, يعني, about maybe 15 years, or maybe 24, no, I think 20, 24, 23, something like this. He passed away. And he was like a scholar in the Arabic language. And the way he read it, you know, I, I, when I listened to this uh, prophecy, I understood it perfectly. Because he read it correctly. When you read it, when you hear it, you know, in the right way, you will understand. Sometimes we don't understand because we, we don't read properly. So the people don't understand. So, distinctly and give the sense. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Azar, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is a holy to the Lord your God. Just because you read the Bible, it's a holy. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So the word pierced their heart, touched their heart, and they wept. But they told them, it's a joyful day. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portion to those whom nothing um, is prepared, for whom nothing is prepared, like the poor and needy. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
Actually, this should be our feeling when we attend the Divine Liturgy. The last words Abuna says after the Divine Liturgy, my mouth is filled with joy. Our mouth is filled with joy and our tongue with gladness. So every Divine Liturgy, we should be leaving the Church joyful and happy. Sometimes we bring sorrow to one another because I reprimand you, I criticize you harshly, I say a negative word from you. So here actually Satan is using me to take the joy from you. And as I told you, usually there are some conflict between uh, the, the deacons. Uh, so we need actually to have love for one another, to be faithful in learning the hymnology of the church, faithful how to read, faithful how to come early to prepare the altar, if I'm serving in the altar, even if I'm serving outside. When Abuna say Ishlil, who, who, who will reply to him? And when he say Aryanapasi, there has to be deacons outside to, to respond. We need also to uh, participate. Deaconship is responsibility. You cannot say, you know what? There are many deacons today, I'm not going to serve. No, you are responsible. That's why we ordained many deacons, because deacons are like the angels, thousands of thousands and thousand times in thousand. So don't just say, you know, I'm not going to serve, I'm going to stand uh, at the back of the church. No, you are a deacon. It's a responsibility, and there is accountability comes with it. Actually, this sermon and other two, I gave them a few years ago, but they are in Arabic. They are available in SoundCloud. You will find three uh, sermons about deaconship in SoundCloud. If you understand Arabic, you can listen to them and uh, Maybe, and I, I like to repeat these three sermons about service of deacons in English, so it will be available to the younger generation. Glory be to God forever. I mean, if you have any question, actually, Jan, I, I like to take a few questions, if you have any questions.